five, and we're four, three, two, one. I'm John Miglosh for the WDMA. I saw this yesterday, and I watched a 25-minute video on it, and uh, I think you should all see it. So we're going to start with that. It's a little bit of fun. Here we go. Order me an Uber and find me a good podcast to pass the time. Oh, and tell everybody that I might be late. That was delicious. Check the fridge and order the ingredients to make that again tomorrow. Create a route that works with my goals. Then, start the best playlist to keep me motivated. Watch what I'm doing here. Process all my new photos today just like this. Find us a nice restaurant near here, then get us there. Take me to the best spot to catch the sunset, and lead me through a meditation. Play my favorite song. I'm on it. And so I watched a 25-minute video that Brian Romelli tweeted out yesterday, and uh, he says he's going to be testing it. And I can't wait for that review from Brian because he is good at not only uh, reviews but also at AI. He's he's building barely a AI, uh, which actually is a large language piece of software that works with historical internet data, not um, not real time. So you're not, so you can control, you can, I could actually use it to review all my own articles that I've written over the years, a hundred or 200 articles in my book and all that and say, you know, write articles in my style and it would figure it out, I guess. That's what I've heard anyway. But, um, so I watched this 25-minute video by the founder of Rabbit AI, Rabbit, I forget the name of the company. Um, it's going to be <laughs> Rabbit R1 is this device, okay? And this is a review in Wired by Julian um, Chicato, looks like. And uh, Jesse Liu is um, the CEO, and he got up and he talked about the challenge with apps and your phone. He said, you do the same thing every day on these apps and it's just a whole bunch of, it doesn't get any, it doesn't do anything. It brings up the app and lets you do it all. What I want is an app that does something, not just an app that, that, you know, that runs and I have to do all the work. And, uh, and, and, and Jesse said, uh, what we have here is a device that does things for you, right? And I watched him on this 25-minute video, which is on YouTube, um, and he he said, I'd like to book a trip to London for myself, my wife, and my two kids aged 12 and 14 or something like that. And um, I'd like to, I'd like you to get the airline tickets, and I'd like you to give me the, I, give me an itinerary I'd like to try a variety of restaurants, not too high priced. Um, and could you plan our days for a two week trip? And it said working on it. And then it came back with, I will, you know, I'll show you the itinerary or something. I'll send or email it to you or whatever. And uh, he looked at it, he said, it looks a little too hard. Could you make it a more relaxed itinerary? And, um, could you book my Uber from the airport to the hotels and, you know, whatever. And it does all that stuff, you know. Now, 
I have a book called Accidental Empires, and it talks about how Bill Gates frequently prevented other companies from introducing products that were ready to be introduced. But Bill got up and did demos of Microsoft's product to, to, that they were working on. And Bill apparently was an expert at choreographing demos and remembering every step. And even though they were, they were programmed only to do a demo, not at all to build a product, he was basically doing a slideshow where he clicked here, there, and, and, and had to do it in exactly the right order. And he was able to do that. And several times, companies who had the product that he demoed, I mean, he didn't really demo, that he showed off, they had it ready to go, gave up, because Microsoft was going to introduce it. So I don't put a lot of stock in a demo. But I got to tell you, this is my kind of device. Okay, for one thing, the camera turns itself up or down so that it, isn't, it can't see when it's not in use. <clears throat> okay. There's a push-to-talk button on the side. Let's see, I've got another picture over here. It's got a push-to-talk button right there, okay? And that means that the microphone isn't always listening for you. I don't like a microphone that's always on. I don't like a camera that's always on. I, I don't want my cell phone spying on me, and I believe it is, you know? I talk about some things sometimes, and all of a sudden I get, I get uh, commercials. Uh, I get ads showing up for those products that I don't want. You know, I was helping my daughter with her flight to somewhere from here to there. Now I'll get ads for flights, <laughs> for flight assistance. Yeah, okay. I don't want that. If I wanted that, I'd go do it. We're going to talk about shopping in a minute. But uh, so there's a button that you talk into, and that's when your microphone is working. The, the camera, you can tell when it's alive and when it's not. Here's the scroll device. It's not trying to. I guess there's a keyboard that can come up, but basically you just talk to it. I'd like a cell phone like this, <laughs> a cell phone that actually fits in my hand, okay? That's what I really want, uh, and a cell phone that does things for me, not just lets me load it up with apps that can spy on me, and I don't know which apps are spying and which aren't, so I want to thank Mike Gunderson for a really nice shout-out yesterday. He just decided to say something really nice, and... Um, a bunch of other people chimed in, and here's what Mike had to say. Shout out to John Miglosh for his unmatched dedication to direct mail marketing. This da his daily videos are not only insightful, but also a goldmine for anyone looking to excel in this field. Keep up the fantastic work, John. Direct mail guru, hashtag direct mail guru. What a nice thing to do. Thank you, Mike. Mike supports the WDMA as a corporate sponsor. Uh, Andrew Ettinger, I'm going to talk about today. He also does uh, Direct Mail 2.0 also, and I can't list them all, but there's a, a, there's a, a wonderful group of people that are very, very encouraging, and I wanted to take a minute to just mention that. Okay, so anyway, this is a wonderful article. I recommend the video, and I especially want to, uh, I want to hear from Brian Romelli about the product itself when he gets a chance to beat it up because that's the real that's the first level of real test not the commercial or the or the ceo demo although it was very persuasive okay this is from uh this is from sarah fletcher 
I got it down. I was excited about this because um, the the title, which printed on another page, was Shopping Fast and Slow, um, reminiscent of Daniel Kahneman's book, Thinking Fast and Slow. And um, last time I talked about Sarah, Sarah Fletcher's articles, she... Um, she talked about how how no how websites are optimized for fast getting in and out fast getting your getting a, a seamless um, customer experience from from getting on the website to getting out the the, uh, the checkout lane if you will and um, I pointed out that the way you shop for a new car or something aspirational like a sailboat if I was going to buy a sailboat I've thought about it. I've had sailboats, so I'm not going to buy one. <laughs> they call it a hole in the in the water where you pour money, um, you know. But if I were to to uh, want to buy a sailboat, I've, I've I've simplified my life mainly by commoditizing almost anything I could want. I try to convince myself it's just wheels, you know, <laughs> or it's you know it, whatever it is, you know, it's just cleaning the dishes or something. Uh, Brian. Um, I can't think of his last name, a comedian. He he talks about trying to sell a refrigerator. You know, this refrigerator here keeps everything cold, all your food, cold and fresh. This here has a tray that says eggs on it. No one is like that. But anyway, oh, that was another thing that another thing that, that R1 did is the uh the 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 CEO pointed at the refrigerator and pointed the camera at the refrigerator and said, what in here could I, what could I make? And it said something like, you have 70% of the ingredients to make X, whatever it is. And, um, you know, the problem is the refrigerator wasn't arranged like my refrigerator, <laughs> which has all stuff crammed in places. <laughs> we need more than just a camera for that. We need a 3D imaging of every item or something like that. But anyway, that was impressive. I understand Samsung has a refrigerator like that. Just what we need, right? A refrigerator that spies on us. Anyway, but but Daniel's point, one of his best illustrations was that it's very hard to do math while you're live, right? Your brain consumes a lot of energy doing math, okay? And for me, shopping, right? Shopping takes energy in my brain. And your brain and your body try their best to stop using to use as little energy as possible. That's basically how we're wired. And so in that light, uh, we we do want to drop shop seamlessly. But online shopping, as Sarah points out, was probably designed by programmers who don't like to shop, who don't shop for as as a sport, as a livelihood, as an enjoyment. I, I don't do that. And my wife doesn't do it either, but she, out of frustration, has to shop online because whenever she goes to a retailer, like even Walgreens last night, didn't have what she wanted. Two things she wanted that did they didn't have. Um, and I've basically decided in my life, if, if the Piggly Wiggly doesn't have it, then I don't really need it. Um, in catalogs, she says, a great deal of thought is put into how much space each product gets and where it goes. Yeah, it's not just thought. It's a lot of data, too. And online, you get what you get, okay? The folks who designed shopping online weren't really shoppers at heart. 
They were programmers looking for efficiency and speed, to reducing the number of clicks it takes to buy a product. But how do we actually make shopping online more fun? And the original web design for shopping was invented in 1957, she said. And I agree with her, right? It's not so easy, but, and the truth is, sometimes you do want to shop fast, but other times you want to shop slow, Look at all the options. Imagine yourself wearing it, eating it, giving it, or just reveling in it. She gets to imagining <laughs> buying an outfit for a date. I, I can't imagine that. It's never happened to me. <laughs> I throw something on. I hope it isn't terrible. <laughs> you know, we went on a date last night, and the and the movie theater said that the projector wasn't working for the movie we wanted, and we went to Wonka, and it actually was quite a bit of fun. I really liked it. So anyway, I want Deanne Campbell to chime in on this on this article. So you're going to have to find the article, Deanne. I, I alerted her to this earlier. Let's see if anybody's chatting with me today. No, I don't see it. Um, but anyway, not not so far. They usually everybody usually chats later, which is why I don't. You don't have to set your clock by this show. Um, but she says that the shopping practices are definitely different depending on what you want, and that's the trouble. The trouble is. Can you figure out a shopping app that is both flexible, entertaining, and dynamic? That's the question, right? Anyway, here's a map from Brett Lucas about top U-Haul destinations. And I wanted to I wanted to show this just for two reasons one to illustrate how mapping can be really really powerful the other is how a little piece of data can be very powerful this is the top 30 destination cities this is where U-Haul is stuck with a lots of trailers because people are moving from somewhere to there so these are attractive destinations and then U-Haul has to ship their little trailers back to wherever the people are wanting to move out of apparently it Apparently, you can get a U-Haul from one of these destinations to California really cheap because the little trailers are moving out of California very fast someplace else. What I thought was interesting is there's only 10 states. These 30 destinations are only in 10 states. And Tennessee has four of them. And North Carolina has four of them. That belt right there, okay? Arizona has three. Florida has five. Florida, or six, or seven maybe. Florida has by far the most. And, of course, they have nice weather. Texas has four. But you can see there are very few states represented. But in all of the Midwest, in all of New England and, and you know, the, the Middle Eastern state or the Northeastern states, nothing. All the central, west central, everything, nothing, nothing. Not even California, Oregon, or Seattle. Nothing, okay? The only state that has a destination that's over here in this area is good old Wisconsin, where UW-Madison is, right there, okay? Which is why we're proud to be from Wisconsin. And one more item, one more item. Okay, and this one's going to go up separately because it shut me down again. And here it goes again. It just shuts off for a second and then gets back up. Okay, 
Here's an excellent article by Andrew Ettinger. <clears throat> Pay-per-click is a tool. It should never be your complete marketing strategy. If you've fallen down this trap, here's what you need to do. One, take your existing customer list, analyze the data, plot it out, and Andrew does map it for you if, you, if you're interested. <clears throat> Filter the jobs by cost. Choose the routes that make the most sense for your business. In other words, don't take every job that's a $100 visit and nothing else. You know, Find the ones where they needed a new furnace or were willing to buy one, whether they needed it or not. Okay, <clears throat> And then he says, begin sending mailers to your existing customer base. And you can also mail people around you saying you do a lot of work in this neighborhood or people around those customers because now you know where they are. And every door direct can do it. But if you want to make a special offer to those prospective, prospective customers, I don't know if you should, you know, because maybe they're right next door to your neighbors and then word will get out that you're making special, uh, special new customer offers. But, you know, on, you know, clean furnace checkup in the fall, AC checkup in the spring, something like that. Andrew works a lot of HVAC um, and do it around the areas where you work um, you could do that with every door direct which is a postal product very inexpensive you could also do it with um, with a uh, a saturation mailing that gets almost exactly the same postal savings and um, and so you but you can suppress your customers and do a and do a, a customer acquisition mailer specifically you know if you if you don't know if you don't know an HVAC contractor and your furnace on a first name basis and your furnace goes out, I do. I happen to know one. Went to high school with the guy. Dave, good guy. I know a plumber, right? Carl, good guy, super good. Uh, and um, those, you know, you should. Everybody should. And so, and so, but the big piece that Andrew left out, which I wish he wouldn't have, is how do you get out of the pay-per-click tool? How do you get out of Angie's list? A lot of times Andrew does talk about this. I'm just I'm just bothering him because he didn't today. And that is stop doing it. Okay? And here's a trick. You don't have to stop forever. You don't have to turn it all off forever. You know, I I was talking with a with a with a uh, large retailer, online and retail stores, a few retail stores. And he's spending $600,000 a month on pay-per-click. And doesn't seem to be getting boost anymore. And so my advice for him was, well, don't you don't have to stop it entirely to pay for mail. If you just turned it off one week each month, okay, that would give you $150,000 a month. And we could do a nice mailing, beautiful, beautiful catalog. You know, 100,000 pieces, right? A month for that. Just try that. And I can show you how to keep track. I can show you how to keep track on the holdout test. We can not mail everybody. We can see if your, if your pay-per-click is driving traffic or if your mailer is driving traffic. There's a way to do it. Okay? Called holdout testing. It's very, very straightforward. It's not simple, but it's not that difficult either it's fairly simple in concept it's a little harder when you actually try and do it but anyway so what andrew should have added to this was hold out your pay-per-click for one week a month to pay for your mailer right 
and it wouldn't be surprising that it could easily pay for a, a decent mailer because you're probably spending, if you're a decent sized company, you're probably spending thirty or forty thousand dollars a month on all of the different aggregators like Yelp and Angie's List and all that, and also pay per click. Take one week a month and use it to start your mailer. Start your start funding your mailing project. And Andrew will talk to somebody for $10,000 a month. I can tell you that. And I would too. Happy to help. Call John or email me, john at wdma.org. Uh, and if you want me to look over what you're doing, start by joining and supporting us financially. Have a great day. Like and share. Your friends will know you're smart. You share it with them. That's the point. I don't know if you get that. Bye-bye. Thanks again.